get, figure out a way to get your foot in the door, even if the job is not perfect. Once you're in, and if you apply yourself and you work hard, there's so many places you can navigate to. Welcome to Career Paths with Teal, and I'm your host, Dave Fano. In this week's episode, I got the chance to sit and chat with Robin Daniels, Chief Marketing Officer at Matterport, who's had quite the impressive career journey. He's worked at incredible places like Salesforce, LinkedIn, Fox, and we actually worked together at WeWork. Robin's had some pretty high positions, and not many of them for more than four years. We'll talk about how you can be successful in short periods of time, and how that change can be good for you and the company. Let's jump in and learn more about how he did this. Have you ever had to like justify your resume in terms of like the places you've been? And and maybe that changed over time because once like the logos were good enough that it didn't matter how long you were there. But I guess let, let's make it two, let's let's make this question two parts. One, did it ever affect you? And then two, when you hire, how do you think about it? It's, it's a, okay, so this a quick question. So has it affected me? Yes, for sure, right? And sometimes I'm probably sure that it's affected me in ways where they haven't even told me, but they've looked at it, my resume and said, looks sharp, but maybe not the most stable and so on. I'm, I'm sure it probably has. You know, and even as I left, we were, well, only there a year, right? People were asking, like, they wanted to know the story. But as long as I get the chance to tell the story, I can tell what, 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 what happened and why it happened. The hard part is when you don't know and you're just looking at somebody's resume and it doesn't tell the full story. There's always a story. And that's what I'm trying to do as I become older and more on the hiring side of things. Like, how can I listen to people? Because everyone has usually a story and some reason why they've done what they've done. Sometimes it wasn't a good fit. Sometimes it wasn't their choice. That doesn't always come through when you look at somebody's resume. They were laid off, maybe the company or the department shut down. And so, you know, I speak to a lot of people and then it's going to happen now more because of coronavirus, of course, is people are going to get laid off. So people are going to have these weird six months, nine months stints in their resume. I think if you're judging people based on that, you're going to miss out on a huge talent pool. But people will. There, there's no doubt about it. And luckily, you know, I mean, I'm at the point now in my career where I think you know, people don't ask me as much. They ask me when I'm in person, but they don't judge me and ask me when they, they, they reach out to me. But early in my career, they did. Yeah, they were certainly do. Not, I was lucky enough that I was at Veritas for like four, four and a half years or so. So they could see that you yeah. know, once I'm in there, it's like, and I'm, I'm into it, I can I could do it. But but afterwards, you know, I was only at these companies for about a year, year and a half or so. It, did, it was a question that came up at Salesforce when they interviewed me. They like, we remember you, we like you, but you've been in the last couple of jobs for a short period of time. And I just told them honestly, it's like one of them, port-wise, I didn't choose to leave the company I got laid off. Okay. This the next company where I'm at now was at Vignette when they when they reached out to me. I'm like, you know, I'm here because I, you know, it's a, it's a decent job, but it's not like I'm the most passionate about it. Salesforce is where I wanted to be. So once you get in, I'm a big believer, uh, I've told you this before of um the foot in the door, you know, like. Get, figure out a way to get your foot in the door, even if the job is not perfect. Once you're in, and if you apply yourself and you work hard, there's so many places you can navigate to. And I think some, a lot of people shut themselves off too quickly because they're looking for the perfect job. I'm like, if you like a company and you like what they're doing, figure out a way to navigate your way in there. And the job might be 50%, 60%, but once you're in, 
if you work hard, you apply yourself, you align yourself with the right people, a lot of times you can move around in really interesting ways. And I think smart people uh, are, are, are paying attention and trying to really go in and say, okay, I, I, can, I can do that. And I've tried to do that myself you know, when I got more mid-level mid in my career. It's like, how do I get into the right companies and so on? Because if you look at for the perfect job, honestly, there's very few of them out there. It's, it's just true. The other question I get a lot is, you know, what about size of company? Let's talk a little bit about that because I think it, it matters a lot. I think if you're, if you, depends on what you're trying to do. If you want to wear many hats and just get the most awesome experience and kind of chipping in wherever you can, going to a small or mid-sized company is an awesome experience. The hard part about going to a smaller or mid-sized company is that Sometimes there's no playbook, there's no best practices, there's nobody to guide you in your career. So it can be a little frustrating if you want somebody to lean up against. But in terms of just pure raw experience and getting exposed to as many things as you can, because a lot of times, at least I know if this is true of me, when I was younger, I didn't really know what I didn't know. So I did just like just trying out things. But, but if you go to a big company, it's awesome. You can get the big brand, you can get the best practice, people who've done it, who've scaled it. But sometimes you also get pigeonholed. You're like, this is your job. This is your box. Stay in here. You might spread out a little bit, but it's sometimes harder. I've seen it many times. People get frustrated. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm in a, I'm reaching a dead end. And so you got to be mindful of that early. I wish I was a little bit more, more mindful when I was coming up because I just kind of took the jobs that were interesting to me. But now when I think about it, my, my niece, she was, you know, she went to school in, in Wisconsin, for example, because uh, that's where my wife is from. And she was, she wants to get into high tech. We talked a lot about what she do. And I, I was, had some big company opportunities, some small companies. She ended up joining a small startup company. And that journey has just been great. She's been there three plus years, but she gets to do a little bit of everything. An event this day, then some content marketing, then some email campaigns, then she goes and do some partnership stuff. Like you get exposed because you don't know what you don't know. Because I think there are four different paths you can take in marketing. And like in terms of your career, where you want to go, I think there's the product marketing path, which is like positioning, messaging, being able to work across functionally within a company on launches and competitive intelligence, analytics around how we're actually going to you know, go to market on something. So product marketing is a, is a key skill and a key path that you could take. And in product marketing, you have to have marketing sensibility and you have to have uh, definitely some technical ability because you have to be able to understand what the product is. Of course, the more technical the product is, the more technical you kind of have to be because you have to speak the language of the product team and the engineering team and so on. And if you look at my career, I came up through the ranks of product marketing, but it's certainly not the only, only thing. But the second one I would say is really around growth marketing, marketing, growth, performance marketing. Like how do you take a message and then you scale it out to as many channels so it resonates with as many people as possible and they respond and come in, raise their hand and say, I want to buy from you. A great skill, and there's a lot of great CMOs there, CMOs out there who come up to, I would say, the, the growth rank of things and or performance rank, and they they just know how to like tweak something and just scale it really quickly to as many people as possible. And and if you look at a lot of companies, they they're like in that growth phase, they need uh, somebody who's just really awesome with that. But the third area that you can come up through is kind of what I've called the brand and creative area, where you like have really great sensibilities for what a brand should stand for, how you express that in all its creative ways. You both probably have a good sense of being able to create something beautiful yourself, but you also know how to express it and what it looks like and what people respond to, the messaging, the feel, and everything else. And there's some great brand leaders out there as well. You know, I think of uh, 
somebody like Jonathan Milton Hall is a great uh, example of, of, of somebody who was a brand leader and someone, one of yep. the best out there, right? But he came up through that world and he just knows, he knows brand better than anybody probably out there and knows what people respond to and how it should feel and sound and look. I mean, he was at Airbnb and Coca-Cola and so on. And the final area is really around, I would say, communications and media, knowing how to take a message and really massage it into something that resonates with media, with an audience, how to get attention around it, how to attach it to the issues of the day that people care about, the macro issues, but in a way that people respond positively to. Look at the, the CMO over at LinkedIn, for example, came up through that way. Uh, it was first Shannon, uh, Shannon Brayton, and now it's Mel Seltzer. They came up through the, the ranks of communications, and, and, and they're very successful through that. But my point is that there's, there's many different paths you can take. I think if you're going to rise to the level of a leader, a VP of marketing, head of marketing, CMO, you have to understand all of them. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to be equally great at all of them. And I think you, that's a very hard bar to set for yourself. Like I came up through the ranks of product marketing. It's about positioning, messaging, storytelling of you know customers and how you take that to market. And I think of myself as like I have close to mastered that skill. But there's many other parts of the skill sets around you know growth marketing and communications and branding that I still have a lot of you know evolved. Uh, evolution to do in my in my own personal life and uh, and just learn more about that. So there's not a set path. And, and I say that because, you know, the reason why getting exposed to all this early is because then, you know, you can start leaning in like, oh, I really like this. Let me lean in that way. Mm. It's hard to, I think, get to the, to the level of, of uh, becoming a head of marketing or a CMO if you constantly try to spread yourself overall. And at some point, I think you have mm. to probably get known for, because you will then be known for something. People will point to you and say, hey, Robin is known for product marketing, or Jonathan Milton Hall is known for brand marketing. Shannon is known for her communication skills, right? Or if you want to be known for growth marketing, Lauren Baccarello, who was at Box, for example, CMO over there and just came up through the ranks of growth. He's awesome, written a playbook about it and everything. Like he's known for growth. But at some point, people have to be able to point to you and say, you're really good at this one, this, this thing. And you probably have to be good at more things, but you have to at least say you're an expert in something. Yeah, I think expertise is key, right? I mean, I think, I think you know, there's more recent talk around being a generalist. I think a generalist skill set makes you more well-rounded, but people yeah. want to hire experts. You know, that's one of the things we talk about in our program is people want to hire you for what you did, not what you want to do. And you've got to have that expertise. Once you're in the door, to your point, is you can learn other things. But to get in, you've got to really emphasize that, that expertise. Yeah. So... What question someone asked, because you mentioned mentors a few times, how, how would you recommend people find those people once you come in? Like those folks that you think can be your sponsor, be your mentor, and or yeah. how have you identified them? It sounds like you've benefited from them. And how would you recommend people yeah. do that? I would say the moment you get into a company, spend some time getting to know the rhythm of a company and the people who are mm. making shit happen. I think that's very important. And once you have a sense of that, who are the real people who are actually respected? And title doesn't always tell the true story of who are the people who are respected, which I think is something that, that gets misunderstood. And I've misunderstood in my career. You look at the people with the titles and you think those are the people who are getting shit done and, and, and have gotten made it, but they're not, that's not always true. Look at, look at who is getting shit done, who is respected, who are people leading towards, who are people going to for advice. And then I would say, reach out to them. You'll be surprised. I've done this more as I've gotten older, but you'll be surprised. Most people will say yes. 
Now, if you're saying, hey, can I spend a little bit of time with you getting to know you and hear about your journey? I think very few people actually say no. They might not have time right away, and that's okay. They say, hey, you know, I'm really busy right now, but in two or three months when things open up, let's absolutely, you know, have coffee or spend some time together, 30 minutes, an hour, do lunch. Most people would be surprised to say no to that kind of request. So that's one way to do it. Like get to know people, get to know the rhythm of the company, uh, see who's who, who, are, who are doing great work that you think I'm, you're inspired by and the team are inspired by and get to know them, reach out. Don't have any fear. What's the worst that can happen? So I, I learned this in sales. So I actually ran sales for a little while as well as part of my job, you know, because I was running sales and marketing. And I remember having a mentor and he said, you just, you know, just ask for everything. What's the worst they can do? Just say no. Right. That's true. What's the worst they can do? If you reach out to somebody, they say, no, you've lost nothing. Right. So yeah. I always have that mindset of like, oh, what's the worst that can happen? Right. They say, no. Okay. I can move on. And I can try somebody else or I won't have lost anything, but at least try. So I would say at least try in your, in your, in your career, find some of those people. Um, the other way you can also do it is if you can see they're working on something that's hypercritical and, and they just need more resources, raise your hand and say, hey, I see you're working on this project. I would love to help out. I think I can be really valuable. You know, and it can be anything from a very small thing. Because Ken, when you have a like, if let's say you're doing a big launch. If you're thinking about how a launch happens, it sounds simple on the surface at the highest level. We're going to launch this thing to the world. But there's like a gazillion small work streams that have to add up in order for a launch to go well. How's the communications, the systems, how people order and what's the website show of us? How do we educate and inform our internal sales team, our support team? How who's, who's thinking about the launch video? What about the messaging and the copy? Like there's, there's a gazillion work streams that have to be thought of. You can always raise your hand and say, hey, you know, I, I would love to help you out here. Or if you need some help, you can also ask a more general question. If you need any help, and I'm, I'd love to come in and just be a utility player and help out where you need it if I can offer my skill set. It might mean extra work for you, but if you're hungry for it, that's okay. You know, I mean, when, when I was, again, trying to like make a name for myself, I would always just try to raise my hand and be part of the, the conversation um, and, and be thought of as like being part of a, these Tiger teams. Because the Tiger teams or the SWAT teams oftentimes end up moving the ball forward in a really positive way. So I, I would say that's, that's how probably how I would do it. I think you're, you're bringing up an interesting point. Um, it's something I've sort of subscribed to my, my entire career, but I also recognize I've sort of come from... I've been very privileged in, in my ability to do some of these things. But you, know, you came to this country you know, kind of on your own. And that you know, there's a lot of... The like, compensation is really owning a big part of like the, the air you know, as we talk mm-hmm. about things, like I don't want to tell people to go ask for less money, but there are ways to get value that will pay off in the future beyond straight dollars. And I think that there's yeah. the equivalent of like penny smart and dollar dumb when mm-hmm. you think about your time that way. And I know that when I've done what you're saying right now, but I'm not doing it because I feel like the company's squeezing, you know, dollars out of me. It's because I was getting a huge opportunity to learn. And I was getting to meet people. And it was on me to then like monetize that. Right? Like that was me making an investment in myself, not me selling myself for cheap to the company. And I was like intentional about that. It's like, yes, I'm taking less now because I intend to make more later. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you were kind of doing that. I don't know how like how explicitly you were doing that. But these kind of investments in yourself that you've made, you know, how have you think 
I guess, can you talk about that a little bit? Do you feel like it was deliberate and explicit or is it more like in retrospect, like, boy, that was a good idea? (laughs) No, for sure. For sure. I'll I'll tell you, I'll give you the example. You know, when I was at Fox, I wasn't running all of marketing. I ran a a decent sized team, but I was reporting into the the CMO. And afterwards, knowing that I was going to go in and do my first CMO gig myself, head of marketing, I I definitely did not take a pay increase. It was actually a pay cut. But it was very known because I'm like, this is my first time. I really want to prove myself and that I can do this. And I particularly chose a small company because I, I wanted to, to build the confidence within myself that I could do this. You know, I knew that if I tried to join a, a larger company, let's say a mid-sized company, a couple hundred people as CMO, not only would it be a lot harder because I've never done it before. So I think the opportunities would just be less, but also they would expect to see results right away. And I'm like, well, I run a big part of marketing, but I don't run all of it. So if I join a small company and I can kind of test my way into it and align myself with a CEO who believes in marketing, that's one of the things I've always tried to do in my career, align mm-hmm. myself with leaders who believe in, in the, the power of marketing. So I can and find a leader who believes in marketing and will give me the freedom to, to experiment a lot because I'm going to try a lot of things and someone's going to work out and someone's not going to work out. And that's okay, right? Because we're, we as a company are experimenting together. It's not like just marketing, but we're going to market together. We've never sold our product. Let's all figure this out together. Versus you come into a company that's going through growth, a growth phase, a scale phase. Then they want people, like you said, people who've done it before, experts, right? It's harder than to, to do all the experimentation. So I very purposely took less money, but of course I got a big chunk of the equity, right? And so they're like, okay, well, if I believe in this company and I can make it successful with the, the team that we, that we have, then that could be worth something one day. You know, uh, it, it hasn't. It's still going. The company hasn't sold or hasn't exited or anything else. But but that was the the, the theory that I had. It's like the skill set and the, the confidence that I could build by doing this was more important than the money. And don't get me wrong. It's not like they were paying me poorly, but it wasn't as much as I could make. It wasn't as much as I made at Box where I came from. And it probably wasn't as much as I could make if I went to a mid-sized or a larger company. But I wanted the experience because I'd set this goal to myself. I said, by the time I'm 35, I want to be a head of marketing somewhere. And so that was and kind what, of a goal. Did you make that goal? I, I did. I did meet the goal. I, I, I no, no. Became, when, when did you set it? Like how old were you when oh, you when set did it? I set, I, set the goal, I set the goal back when I was about 30 years old. I said, because I, I could okay, see cool. my career. Was five starting, yeah. Yeah, my, my, my career was starting to get, I was director level at that point in time. Like, okay, by the, by the time I'm 35, I want to I want to be head of marketing. And uh, and I didn't become like a VP of marketing. My first gig afterwards was a CMO. So it became, but I was just, I was, I just turned 36. So I kind of made it, you know, more or less, but it was fine. It was fine. But it was really, the, the goal was for me, like I set myself that goal. But I also think, again, looking back in hindsight, you know, you know re- retrospective is interesting. I think sometimes, you know, I've chosen, the, I've, I've pursued the wrong thing, either title or money, like you, to your point, mm. or, or certain companies. And, and certainly, I think those are important. I don't want to give the feeling that it's not. I, I wrote this article about the, the things to look for in a dream job. You know, I think a lot of people who, I hate the arrogance of people who say, oh, titles don't matter. I'm like, it's kind of BS. Titles do matter. They shouldn't be the first thing that matters. If you're just going for a title, I think you're also making a huge mistake. But to come out and say it doesn't matter at all either, I also think it's a, it's a mistake because it does. It matters to your trajectory of where you want to go in your life. It matters to how you're perceived. It matters to what job you get to do and so on. So to say it doesn't matter is false. 
But should it be the number one thing or even in your top five things for a company? Probably not, but but it should be something you negotiate and think about as well as you as you scale out your career. And early on, when I set that goal at, when I was 30, I'm like, I want to be ahead of marketing. I think a lot of it was honestly at that point in time due to the, the title. I'm like, I could see my career was growing. I was starting to get teams under me and so on. And I'm like, okay, I, I, can, I can do this. But in hindsight, it was actually more valuable just to because I, I enjoy the art of both marketing, but also enjoy the art of leadership and getting a team aligned. And I think now that I look at it, it's like, it's not to, to run marketing to run marketing. It's because I really enjoy the aspect of surrounding myself with a team and getting the best out of that team, unlocking something in that team that allows them to go further than they ever thought they could themselves. And that's one of the benefits of leadership is that you can do that. If you nurture a team, you give them the, the resources and the belief that they can do anything, you'll see magic happen. My, my goal is I want to surround myself with people who are so hungry for it, will do great work, who are better than me that I can learn from and then unlock them. That's just, just the, the, the biggest joy I get today is when I see that happen. But I did, that wasn't true, I would say, seven or eight years ago when I was more pursuing just like the role, the title and the company and right. all those things. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, cool. Well, we'll, we'll end on this. I mean, for, you know, for an aspiring marketer, sort of in, in any discipline, I mean, what, what kind of... Are there aspects of marketing that you see more valuable in today's climate? Like, So if someone's still very early and a bit of a generalist, should they yeah. pick a specialty? And which one would you recommend that be? You can't say product marketing. No, just kidding. You, of course, of course you can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, I'm very, I am very biased in product marketing. But I would say uh, in the B2B, in the B2C world, brand, I think is super important. I think if you're really attracted and you want to stay in the B2C world, I think you've got to figure out how to like work with brand or amplify brands or, or create a persona around a brand that people respond to. I think if you're in the B2B world, I think uh, performance marketing is just really critical right now because everyone's thinking about, well, how do I optimize the funnel? How do I shorten the sales cycle? Get as many people into my funnel, get, make the funnel completely optimized and get the right people in so I can convert them quicker to sales. Of course, that's important in B2C as well. Don't get me wrong, but I just like there's so much talk in the, in the B2B world around this and so many great tools out there you can use to optimize that journey. But you have to really understand it because you have to be able to go and and explain to the team how your how your dollars are converting. You know, but it's also you want to you want to you want to focus on finding companies that can that have a more long term uh, mindset. One of the things that I've seen is there's a lot of companies out there that are trying to optimize for the short term, and I think long term is much more interesting. It doesn't mean that the short term is some point. You got to get results, of course, but. If you just, this is one of the things you should test for when you talk to a company or the leadership in a company or a team. It's like, what are they really for? Do they have a long term vision? And if not, I would be a little hesitant because if you're just constantly optimizing for short term, you can get results, but you end up becoming a transactional brand, either in B2B or B2C. Well, if you want to become a brand that stands the test of time, like a Salesforce or LinkedIn or Box, you got you to gotta invest in the long term and not sacrifice the short term time. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, one of the things that we we talk about in in the program is getting people to to think like an investor, right? Think about your career and where you go work like an investor. If that company is going to grow, you're going to grow. And uh, and I think if you're the same way you chose to invest your time, if you would have invested your dollars, you'd probably be a world class VC right now because you've picked some <laughs> incredible companies. Yeah, I like that. Hopefully. <laughs> 
and it, right. you know, and I, and and it wasn't, you know, and then you did it, you know, you sort of were strategic about how you picked them, and I think it's a really cool example for people to see that when you approach your career with intention, you can get pretty good, pretty cool outcomes. Uh, man, I want to thank you so much for for doing this. Um, I think people got a lot of value from this conversation, and your career journey is incredible, and uh, and it's so thoughtful and kind of you to share with people. Thanks, thanks for having me. Good to see all of you. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Steel Team. All right, Robin. We'll see you soon. Take it easy. Thanks. Okay. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Career Paths with Teal. Now it's your turn. Do you have an interesting story about your career that you'd like to share? Or would you recommend someone you'd like to hear from? If so, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note by heading to the show notes on this episode for the link to contribute. This podcast is sponsored by Teal. And our job is to help you land a job you love. As a member, you can dive deeper into all the conversations on our show. For information on how to sign up for one of our programs, visit www.tealhq.com. Conversations for this show were facilitated by me, Dave Fano, and Eric Martin. Produced for us by Rainbow Creative by Matthew Jones and Ritu Jagannath. Audio editing by Hammond Chamberlain. Thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next one.